0: You've um, given me a lot to think about with that song. Thank you, both of those songs. That was beautiful. That was amazing. Um, I want—I should have asked Amanda to come back up and translate for me because I want to give a greeting uh, to some brothers who are here today. One whom you've met before, Greg Moore, is um, leader of Training Pastors International uh, and has done a tremendous work as one of the missionaries that we support And uh, just a true brother in the Lord, Greg and I probably go back uh, longer than just about almost anybody except for maybe Lynn and Scott um, in in my history here, uh, other than Kathy, of course, because Greg and I went to seminary together uh, and did our master's at Mid-America Baptist Theological Seminary in Memphis, and Greg was the first person, Rebecca, who knew you were coming into this world Uh he happened to be standing with me. I think we were going to lunch one day and uh Kathy called to tell me the news that yes, it's definite, we're gonna have a baby. And uh I I tried to you know my best acting to like it was no big deal because we wanted to tell our parents first and Greg was standing there and said, What what is it? What happened? I said, uh this guy's gonna bring me a quart of wood. (laughs) He he said, You're lying, you're gonna have a baby. Uh, He's a good brother, and he's brought with him uh, two of our leaders uh, in Central and South America. Well, actually from Argentina and from Colombia. And uh, we welcome you gentlemen here with us today to worship the Lord and appreciate the work that you're doing. Uh, Greg and I did a pastor's conference a few years ago in Los Trojes, Honduras. We expected about 100 pastors, had 221 uh, to show up. It was just a beautiful experience. I'm actually trying I'm to do a pastor's conference this spring in Haiti uh, to some pastors there. So I'll be leaning on you and getting some advice from you. But we're glad you guys are here. As you notice, there's a lot of people not in the room today because we are that church. You, you wonder sometimes when people travel and all these folks show up, You think, where did they come from? Well, they came from Calvary. (laughs) We're we're, we're the ones who sent them all to uh, Meemaw's house and wherever it is that they they went. How many of you will be traveling uh, this Christmas during the the holidays? You'll be going somewhere? Okay. That's a lot of us. We made that journey for years and years until uh, all of our parents passed away, and we don't make that trip anymore. But we know what it's like to spend the holidays um, on the road. Uh, we used to joke that we thought we should decorate the inside of the car because that's where we spent most of Christmas, uh, traveling around and getting to see everybody, and that's a lot of fun, you know, and it's kind of sweet uh, to get to see people. We all like to celebrate, and we want to be with our friends. We want to be with our family, so you load up the car with the kids and the presents and everything that you're, you know, you're going to need and you know, for the journey, and you, you take off, and usually you head to a place called home. You go back home. You go to Memphis. You go to Coldwater. You go to wherever it is uh, that you're from. And part of this Christmas story that I think we love so much is about journey. It's about that journey. Because Joseph and Mary uh, had to travel from their home in, I started to say Nashville. <laughs> they lived in Nashville. Um <laughs> They were headed to Atlanta, and they had. To, now they, they lived in Nazareth, and were headed back to their ancestral home of uh, Bethlehem. Uh, that's where the scriptures had actually prophesied that Messiah would be born. I think I always think it's amazing when I read scriptures, particularly prophetic scriptures, that find their meaning and their fulfillment in Christ. And I think, God, that's absolutely impossible for you to use political systems and structures and times and people. Uh, they're totally unaware of what God's trying to do, and he brings it all together, and it happens. Uh, so he used this uh, the unlikely event of a Roman census. And that day, uh, they didn't come to you. You went to them. So they uh, to fulfill the law and to, to do that, you know how the story goes. Most of you know how this young teenage Mary probably... 14, 15, 16 years old, the Bible says delicately that she was great with child. And Joseph and Mary get to Bethlehem, and all the hotels are filled. You you know that feeling. You ever not made a reservation, you get there, and there's nowhere to stay. They look around. Uh, It's not going to happen. So they end up sleeping in a stable, Uh, and it was there that the baby was born. You may or may not know that the mother of Jesus took other journeys before that first Christmas. After creating what was basically a scandal in her hometown uh, for becoming pregnant outside of her marriage to Joseph, Mary leaves. She goes to visit her relative Elizabeth, who lives in a village in the hill country just outside of Jerusalem. It would be like if they lived in... Knoxville, uh, and she decided to go to Gatlinburg, or to the mountains, to to visit uh, Elizabeth. And so that's what she did. And there she found Elizabeth, who had lived her entire life, she was older, uh, without uh, ever being able to have a baby. And she gets there, and Elizabeth's pregnant. Uh, and so today, what I want to do is to focus not just on that journey that we, we see Mary took outwardly, but this internal journey that Mary took she traveled inside uh, and it involved a significant change of heart for this teenage girl who's about to give birth uh, to this chosen one to Messiah he would be Yeshua Jesus he would be Jesus she never saw that coming That's a lot for a young girl like her to take on. So it's going to be a journey of trust. Now, we've looked at some of these songs uh, that have been sung from ancient times surrounding the events in the life of Christ. They're called the canticles, and they're the oldest songs that we have. And we've sung the one from uh, Zechariah. We've sung the one that the angels sung. And today we're going to look at Mary's song. It's a song of trust. And then we'll have one more song uh, that we will do on Christmas day Uh, I believe that Mary's journey the, the place that she traveled especially this emotional distance that she had to go after finding out that her life's plan everything she had thought about and dreamed of up until this moment is going to be changed forever none of that's going to happen the way she thought it was going to happen I think that Mary's journey in a lot of ways is like our journey Because probably most, I'll go ahead and say all of us in this room have found out that the life that you planned, the life you thought about when maybe you were in middle school or in high school or uh, you you looked at what you wanted to do and who you wanted to be and where that was going to take you, probably is not the life uh, that you're living today. It doesn't just seem to happen the way that we think it's going to happen. Now, there are three phases I'm going to focus on today Uh, when we look at Mary's song. This song is also called The Magnificent. It's one of the eight most ancient uh, Christian hymns uh, that we have. When Mary first encountered the angel, the scriptures say she was greatly troubled. You think? She was greatly troubled. Uh, And we'll call this starting place in her journey anxiety. I know sometimes when we look at Bible stories, uh, we kind of romanticize those or we become so familiar with them and we've heard them told again and again that they take on kind of this surreal kind of presence in our life. We don't maybe always get it that uh, this really happened. This is a historical event with real people involved. It's just not a romantic or a sentimental thing that we think back on uh, a couple of times a a a year or different moments, you know, in in our Christian history. These are real people. And she was greatly troubled. You understand that, don't you? Because sometimes we've lost the reality, you know, behind this story. That the truth is, in that day, in that time, in that culture, a woman who found herself pregnant and unmarried ran the risk actually of being stoned to death by her own father and the other men of the village. All Mary ever wanted was just a nice, normal life. And things were unfolding pretty good. She met this nice guy. He had a good job as a carpenter. He loved the Lord. Uh, His parents liked her, and she liked them. And everything was going okay. And then this happened. I mean, she's engaged She's betrothed, which really carried the same legal responsibilities that today our marriages would carry. I mean they they were deep into this relationship, and then all of a sudden this happens. She's anxious. Because this is going to disappoint the people around her. It's going to deeply hurt the people who loved and trusted her the most. And her fiancé, I mean, he's got, he's got no reason to believe such a crazy story. And you know how it is when you're a fiancé. We have a couple of fiancés here this morning, Aaron and Rachel, who happen to be engaged. I just wanted to slip that in, if that's okay. As of last night, God bless. Yes, thank you, Jesus. Um, All Mary wanted was a nice life. And now her parents are going to be scandalized. Her reputation is absolutely ruined. Nothing looks like it was going to look like anymore. And she's scared because we're all afraid of the unknown. We're all kind of anxious about those places we haven't been before, those things that we've never seen or experienced. I mean, sometimes that can feel overwhelming. And you know that because some of you came in this morning and you're in those moments in your life. We've certainly all been there when you don't know, what do I do next? This is not what I thought. I didn't know it was going to spin this way and I'm not sure where to go. Some of you are living that today. And the things that you're facing this week, when we walk back out and tomorrow you start, uh, this is last week before Christmas, doesn't necessarily mean, well, then everything's going to be okay because it's Christmas it makes you anxious because you haven't been there. On old maps, before the world was understood the way we understand it now, and we can get snapshots from, you know, great distances, and we can map, places with tremendous accuracy. but well, they couldn't do that. And, and to cartographers who would put down what they knew, and they would draw the shapes of the land masses as best they could. And sometimes you look back on those and think, well, you almost got it. That's pretty close. They would draw everything they could as best they could. And then they would they would draw out as far as they've explored. Maybe they'd gone out in the ocean. They hit an island. They go, okay, we know there's an island there. And And they would go so far out and they run out of supplies, so they have to come back. And there are these places they'd just never been to. So, these areas that they had no knowledge of or any understanding, it was just a mystery. Sometimes you can look back on those old maps, and they would just write on the edges, Beyond here, there'd be dragons. (laughs) That's what they thought. And it's just a scary place. We don't know where this is going to go. All we know is it just goes out into this unknown place. That's where Mary is. It's where some of you are. Dragon territory. And there's nothing about this angel's news that's going to fit into her vision of what the future was going to be. There's nothing that's going to give her hope or fulfill the dreams that she had for her life. So I think her first reaction is, is like our first reaction. And it's totally understandable and it's totally reasonable. She's greatly troubled. Can you imagine how embarrassed, how stressed she is? You know what it's like to be greatly troubled. Your story may not involve an angel or it may not involve an unplanned pregnancy. But you've experienced something you didn't expect something you didn't want something you didn't plan for and you don't feel like you deserved and your first reaction may have been shock or disappointment or fear or anger or just this sense of loss it could have been triggered by uh, an untimely death of a loved one a breakup or a divorce An unexpected illness or a disability in your life, or in the life of one of your children, or maybe in your parents' lives. I think there's very few people who experience a life that even resembles the plans they made when they were young. And some of these interruptions that come along, some of these surprises, and we think, ah, everything was going so good, I thought. And then this happened. I've been your pastor for a while, and I know some of your stories. I've been here long enough that you know some of my stories. And we know that our plans didn't always include financial hardship, kids with special needs, grief, and loss, divorce, having to move away from your family or losing your friends. I mean, I could just go on. This list just goes on and on, and it's just kind of like unique with each one of us. I had no idea when I began my journey with the Lord that I would end up as a pastor. And I still think that maybe one day when I get to heaven, the Lord's going to say, wasn't that the best joke I ever played on anybody calling you into the ministry? I mean, it's just this this crazy kind of a thought. I, I never saw that coming and really didn't lean into that. I wasn't the kind of guy that was thinking, wow, if only one day I could be a pastor. I always thought they were a little quirky, you know? They're a little odd, the kind of goofy guys, and I didn't want to do that. And by the way, if you see, Greg, if you see Dr. Gray, tell him you came to Calvary, tell him I had a suit on. Yeah, (laughs) you like that. They're laughing because they know I haven't had one on in a long time. (laughs) The last wedding, perhaps. But uh, you tell him that. I didn't see that. I didn't want to be the guy in the suit. I didn't want to be the guy up in front of people talking. It was the last thing I would have imagined. I'm serious, especially when when you you know figure in that I really wasn't involved anywhere. It wasn't connected spiritually. And the only churches I had visited, and this is just my experience. I'm not trying to be judgmental, but it seemed like it just seemed like everywhere I went, it was legalistic. It was dysfunctional people fussed. They just seemed shallow. They didn't seem like they're really into Jesus or this Christianity. I thought, well, if they don't seem to care that much about it, I don't know that if I want to invest my life. And this was especially true during my childhood and during my teen years, and I would just kind of pop in and out of church. So when I first began to walk with Jesus, when I first began to sense God call on my life, I was anxious. I was greatly troubled. <laughs> I was a little nervous about this. I thought, me? And I can remember telling some of my friends, and honestly, one group of friends, I met with them and I told them, and they laughed. They thought I was kidding. They thought I'm messing with them. They go, no, really, really. I go, no, seriously, I think God's calling in ministry. And then it got quiet. And you could tell what everybody's thinking. Ooh, I don't know. <laughs> You're not the pastor-y kind of guy. I just don't know if that's... Are you sure about this? Uh... And I had an idea what would come with that decision. And I'm not whining. I'm not, I'm not crying about this because I, I, I love the life God's given me. But I knew going in, okay, pastors typically don't make a lot of money. And I remember when I asked Kathy's parents... Uh, you asked Rachel's parents you know, last week, and I remember asking parents, Kathy's parents, and I said, you know, one of the things, you know I'm going into the ministry, and you know that means a lower ceiling than a lot of other careers. So I just want you to understand this is the kind of son-in-law that you're going to get. Uh, I'd seen the way pastors were criticized, and I, I didn't particularly like criticism more than anybody else. I've seen firsthand sometimes the unreasonable expectations that people, myself included, had put on pastors and those just those. You're a pastor, um, you know. And I knew before I started, I could never. I'm not the kind of guy. I can never live up those expectations. God, I'm just not wired like that. So I'm a little troubled. Could you look back through the records? Could you bring that up again and make sure you didn't mean Don Riley who lives over somewhere else, you know? Oh, so, yeah, Dan, go back to whatever it is you were doing, significant work you had. Um, I was just troubled. I just thought, I'm not sure, Lord, my personality is going to work with this. Now, that's the kind of where I was at that point in my journey. Now, let's jump back and, and look at Mary and her journey Because I want you to think about how real this can be for you and for your journey. Although Mary started this journey at a place called anxiety, she didn't stay there. That's not where God wants you to stay. And by the time we get to verse 38, uh, there's more dialogue. This conversation with the angel had continued. And and she says this. Mary said, Behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be unto me according to your word. In other words, whatever, if that's what God wants to do, uh, okay. Let it be to me as you have said. How does that feel? You Can just feel the emotion in that? I think this next destination, this next place in her journey is, is this stop called acceptance. She's moved from anxiety now to acceptance. And acceptance isn't particularly exciting. You know, I mean, it's not joyous. It's not accompanied by wild enthusiasm. I can remember thinking, huh, I really feel like God wants me to go in the ministry. How about that? I think Mary had kind of that attitude. I think it's just simply saying, Okay, God, have it your way. You want me to have a baby? I'm not even married yet, and this is going to be kind of hard to explain. I don't know what's going on, but have it your way. That's what you, you know, I'm your servant. You know, I'm going to do whatever you want me to do. I don't know about you, but if I were the one receiving that kind of resigned response from somebody, you know, if I were the Lord thinking, Mary, what do you think about that? All right, okay, I'm you a know, baby. That'll be fine. I'll, do it. I'll have a baby. And that's probably not what the Lord was hoping for. Uh, you know, let's say it's Friday night, and you're ready to go out. And so you've been thinking about maybe one of these new Christmas movies, you know, the release, and you've got this movie in your mind, and you think, that's a movie I want to see, that's what I want to go see, and uh, it's maybe not the kind of movie. Maybe if you're a lady, it's like a chick flick. Or maybe you're a guy, it's one of the action movies, you know, and you're thinking, I want to see that. And, or maybe you've got a favorite restaurant, and you think, I, I want to go to this place, and we're going to eat that. And the thing is, you've got to talk your boyfriend into it. Or your girlfriend or your husband or your wife or a friend. you got to talk to them. Hey, let's go see that. I really don't want to see that. Yeah, let's do. And you just keep on because you know them, right? And you know, if I keep talking to her, if I keep, she'll finally go, okay, fine. Have it your way. We'll go see that. Okay, fine. Have it your way. We'll go eat there. And they get their jacket on. And they're not enthusiastic. Fine, let's go. Friday night. (gasps) Here we go fun. It's going to be so great. It's going to be so awesome to see your movie. And now how do you feel? you don't particularly want to see it now either, right? Because you know it's not going to be fun. They're not going to enjoy that. It's not going to be significant. All of a sudden, you're not particularly interested in eating there either. I wish I had begun following Jesus sooner. I really do. I wasted so much. Uh, But finally, when I did give my life to Christ as best I could, even before I considered ministry as a vocation, I had this desire to honor God. I don't know how this sounds, and I'm not trying to come across as like, I oh, was so spiritual, you wouldn't believe it. But, uh, but I, I did, because I'd seen people at different degrees of commitment along the way, and I'd seen Christians, that I thought, you're a Christian? Really? Uh, you just seem barely a Christian. You just seem like this is, like you've checked the box, but I don't know if your heart's really in this. And I thought, well, I'm not going to do it and have that kind of attitude. I'm not going to be, I don't want to be a Christian and go, yeah, I'm a Christian. You can't really tell, and I try to keep it on the DL, and I don't talk about it a lot, I don't act like it much, but, oh, yeah, I am, I am, you know. And I, and I thought, I'm, I'm either going to be a Christian or I'm not going to be a Christian. Uh, that's kind of silly to, to try to keep those two things spinning at once. I said, God, I'm in. I want to honor you no matter what. Um, and, and I knew that, I, that my life was his and that I wanted to please him with it. And I committed that to the Lord and I told God. And, and Kathy and I said, when we got married, we said, wherever we go, whatever you want us to do, um, we're going to go ahead and say yes, yes. Now, you fill in the blanks. What's next? Yes. So I took this journey from anxiety about going into ministry and about life and all that to acceptance. Some guys say, Will you going to ministry. Yeah, I'll do that. Okay. What, what do I do? What do I do? Now, when I first made that decision, there was this transition from my old life to this new life, and it was a different life. And, and I knew that would mean enrolling in a Christian college um, and, and then going to seminary and, you know, and, and telling people that. Uh, was, was going to, I went to my boss. He thought I was crazy, and he said so. He just said, I think you're crazy. My family wasn't particularly supportive. They felt like I was making a mistake. Uh, my dad said, I think you ought to stay doing what you're doing. You're taking this too far. Uh, I, I riding in a truck with him one time. He actually pulled over to the side of the road, and he said, you know, you're becoming what's called a religious fanatic. I said, "What?" He goes, "Yeah, I think you've really taken this whole thing." He's, "I think it's because you read the Bible too much." <laughs> I thought nobody's ever told me I read the Bible too much. He's, "Yeah, I think it's making you crazy. I think you're just you're getting way into this." Uh, my friends laughed. They just thought it was just kind of nuts. They said, really, yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you really? I mean, we love your faith. We respect what you're doing, but. Do you have to go that far with it? You know, and I just felt like, yeah, I do. So I didn't get a lot of affirmation uh, from almost anybody. There were a couple of people who thought, that's a good decision. We could see that. But I knew, I knew in my heart that it was a step in the right direction. And one of the first principles that I began to learn as a follower of Jesus is that God loves obedience. He just loves that. You talk all you want. You do all the religious stuff. All of that, that, you know, he just kind of sets that aside. And he looks to see if you're going to be obedient to him. Just obey. He's honored when we acknowledge, God, you have the right to direct my life. And I'm just going to, I'm going to do whatever you want me to do. But still, acceptance, just acceptance is not all that God hopes for from his children. Okay, Lord, I'll do it. I think a lot of us in this room, we know how to say yes, but we follow him kind of reluctantly sometimes. You ever tell your children to do something? Go clean your room, go wash the car, go do this. All right, okay, I'll do it. And they're obeying, but it's not what you want. It's not the response you wish that you would get. Here's Mary. And she's willing. God, I'll have this baby. And I don't think she gets it at first. Kind of like that song. Do you know that you are about to be a huge part of God's greatest plan ever? You're going to give birth to the Savior of the world? I don't think she got that. I don't sense it from her response that her heart was really there yet. A scripture doesn't record this conversation that followed that decision and, and, and that moment. Conversations with her fiance, do you know how awkward that would have been? Conversations with her parents, mom, dad, uh, I got something I need to tell you. Uh, something's happened. And, you know, I, can you just imagine? And she would rehearse those speeches in her head and say, How am I going to tell my parents? And just the tension. Just the stress of that. And you know she knew the, the names that people, especially in the first century, called girls who got pregnant out of marriage. I think we'd all have this same reaction to a, a young pregnant girl who said, okay, yeah, I'm going to have a baby, but what happened was an angel visited me and told me that this... There, can you imagine as a father? Uh-huh. That's your story? Yes, sir. An angel. Told, <laughs> I said, okay, get, go to your room. We're gonna. You know, I just. I, I, I can't imagine being in, in her position and the people around her. Those people who had loved her so much and just poured their lives in it. I, I don't know if through all those painful conversations and those discussions that they really understood. Have you seen Mary? Yeah, I did. What'd she tell you? She said she's pregnant. Yeah. And then what'd she say? she said an angel came and told her it's all right and it's not joseph's and it's not and he's he's humiliated and his friends are just talking i mean it's just the whole village is a buzz about this you can imagine that so she's not sure what's going on and she's just in that moment she leaves at that place and I think even though she had accepted it, God I'm in and you want to do this I'm going to do this and I accept your plan but you know what it's like to move from acceptance back to anxiety and then acceptance again God gives you a verse or somebody encourages or you come to a worship service and you think okay Lord my head's clear again I'm I'm so sorry I doubted. I'm so sorry I kind of wavered there and then by Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday your situation is pressing on you and you start wondering oh God and you get anxious again God, I still don't have the money. My baby's still sick. Uh, They're still, this is happening. and, And you go back and forth. I think Mary did that until she went to see Elizabeth. She goes to see Elizabeth, and there is this supernatural connection between the two women, both of whom are miraculously pregnant. And somewhere... After this acceptance, after uh, probably a number of, of painful conversations with people who wasn't so sure they really understood what was going on with Mary, somewhere after all these months of wondering, Am I out of my mind? Am I crazy? Is this really happening? I just wanted to marry the carpenter. I just, somehow, this visit with Elizabeth puts everything into focus. Check it out. Instead of condemnation, Instead of getting to her house, instead of name-calling, instead of heaping on more shame and more guilt on Mary's head, Elizabeth says this. Listen. She says, Blessed are you among women. You. And blessed is the child that you bear. Blessed are you, Mary. Oh, I'm so excited. And blessed this Baby, that you're going to have. I think that was a turning point for Mary. It's like all of a sudden, Mary got it. And she begins to sing. I want you to see this song she sung. It's in Luke chapter 1, verse 46. And Mary said... My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant for behold from now on all generations will call me blessed for he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation to generation. And he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thought of their hearts. And he's brought down the mighty from their thrones and he's exalted those of humble estate. He's filled the hungry with good things and he sent the rich away empty. He's helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained there about three months. Then it was time to go back home. But something happened. The girl that would come home is not the girl who left. Something. All of a sudden, she had a new perspective, a new understanding, a, a a new depth. This long journey that began at a place called anxiety and had moved to a place of acceptance had now become adoration. Now Mary is in this new, new area of life. She's at a place called adoration. She's singing praises to God for this thing that at first seemed like it was unbearable. And it was this burden she didn't want to carry. It was this unthinkable tragedy. And now it has become this mission that she actually embraces. Now finally this thing that God has given her to do is not just heavy. It's a reason for joy. And she she gives Thanksgiving. She sings about it. Hey, does does this does this sound familiar to you? Your dreams died. Your plans came unraveled. Your future—the wheels came off—and it will never be like you thought it was going to be because God brought a new reality into your life, and it. Probably was one you didn't anticipate. Uh, You weren't ready for that. You didn't prepare. And for you, just like Mary, it begins with anxiety. Oh, Lord. But is this where you want to stay? No. It may be worth kind of thinking about how Mary progressed from anxiety to acceptance. And I think when you really look at her words and we really, you know, take a a good look at Scripture, it comes down to this one thing. Trust. Mary is willing to take the step she's called to take. Say, Lord, I don't know what's going on. This makes no sense to me whatsoever, but I'm going to do it. You might not be there. You might not be ready to take that step. And that Maybe why you're stuck in anxiety. And why this just keeps eating at you, why it keeps bothering you, why you can't get victory because you're still anxious about it. You hadn't come to this place of acceptance. I don't know what's going on with you, and I don't know what's happened or what is happening, but I know this God never intended for you to live in anxiety forever. He doesn't want you to stay there. Trust is a huge step to take especially if you've never trusted him before, and, and everything I'm saying just sounds, it's like new information, or if you're like I was, you did trust, but it was a long time ago. And if you're thinking, eh, you're kind of bringing back to my memory a life I used to live, but I haven't trusted God in a long time. And this is kind of hard for me. I understand. You're going to struggle emotionally, You're going to deal with these feelings that God has taken something from you or he hasn't given you something you felt you deserved, you felt was valuable. And you're going to struggle intellectually coming to believe this circumstance. Uh, Everyone, you know, who is involved, this is, you know, anybody who thinks about this you think, okay, I'm in my right mind and this is really going on. and, And God, I've got to intellectually kind of wrap myself around this and kind of understand what's going on and that what I thought was a curse and what maybe even the people around me thinks a curse is actually going to be something you're going to use this for a blessing I'm going to trust that I'm going to believe that and you struggle emotionally you struggle intellectually and above all I think it requires this spiritual struggle at least it did for me because we all desperately want to stay in control of our life You know, God, I'm having a difficult time letting go because I've got better ideas than you, and I don't know what you're going to do. You're dangerous. I've got something going on, and I just let me do this. But when you come before the Lord and be able to say, God, as you wish, whatever you, may it be to me as you've said, you fill in the blanks. Listen, if you will take whatever tiny little bit of trust that you've got whatever you can find inside muster that up and just give god a chance you will have taken a big step toward what he has in store for you if you'd be willing to accept god what's next Isaiah 28, 16 says, So this is what the sovereign Lord says. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a foundation, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone. And whoever believes will not live in fear. John 14, 1, Jesus said, Don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God? Believe also in me. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. Let's assume that at some point you gave your life to Christ. And the language, at least in my generation, that people used is, are you ready to accept Jesus? I mean, we even wove that in. You know, that was why, accepting Jesus. I think, okay, that was the first step. And let's just say you've come to that place and you want to please God and you've managed to journey as far as acceptance. I've accepted Christ as my Savior, uh, but that's as far into the journey as you ever got. That's as far as you ever wanted to go. And what I'm asking you is, are you willing to travel further? Are you willing to take another step of faith? Uh, uh, believing, God, I've accepted you, but I don't think I ever embraced you. I think that's a key to God's bigger plan for you. And I don't know what that's going to look like for you personally. I, I, don't, I don't know the next step, but I can tell you this. God didn't send his son Jesus into the world just to get you to a place of acceptance just to make you a little more religious, just to kind of figure out a way to get you to come to church once or twice a week. There's more to our Christian experience than just that part of the journey. That's not why God saved you, to make you a nicer guy. Jesus said, I came to give you abundant life. He said so. That's what he wants to do. And I believe you may be missing out because you've just come like two-thirds of the journey. You've moved from anxiety to acceptance, but not yet to adoration. And that's where God wants to bring you. Jeremiah 29, 11 is a familiar scripture for all of us. Uh, We've thought about actually just putting this up on one of the walls in the church because I think you ought to see it every week and be reminded of this truth. God says, I know the plans I have for you. And they're plans for good. They're not evil. I want to give you a future. I'm not going to hurt you. I want to give you hope. I want to give you a future. I want to give you hope. I think Mary, Mary got that. Mary was filled with wonder that God would use Her. First century, teenage girl, I'm young, I'm female, I, I'm not significant, I don't hold any rank, I'm not part of royalty, but you want to use me for an eternal purpose. If I could, I would give everybody here the gift of trust, just for a minute, just to believe God, that he, his intent for you is not to harm you. You can trust him. He's going to bless you. He's going to bless you. I told you earlier that I struggled uh, a, a little to move beyond this place of just acceptance in a call to be a pastor. And for me, it wasn't a once-for-all journey, you know, that just led me to adoration. And every day since then, I've loved it, and I just wake up every day and I sing and I hymns, and I just I praise God, you know. I think God, I'm so glad I'm a pastor and nothing else. And it's been a little more like the same journey up and down the same road, you know. It's like going up and down Kingston Pike every day or down Westland every day for me. You know, there's times I step back a little into acceptance and to adoration, step back all the way to anxiety and then all the way to adoration. You know, it's, it's, it's this journey. And to be honest, i got to be honest with you, everything I ever feared about being a pastor has come true. <laughs> it's all happening. What I didn't understand at the time was that there's also incredible joy and satisfaction and this sense of completeness or rightness in the journey how fulfilling it is in ways that I, I never thought about to be in ministry. I've had this unique position in society. I, I, I've had this front row seat you know, to, to watch God perform miracles in people's lives. I have seen angry, bitter people discover the power of forgiveness. I've seen hopeless marriages and relationships restored. I've seen wealthy young rulers of this day uh, give up their dreams of what their power would bring them and, and trust Jesus and find more joy actually from giving away their money than they did in making it. I've seen people in poverty in, in Haiti and other places all over the world minister to in ways they would never imagine. And I've stood and cried as I've watched them experience something they never dreamed would happen in their life. I've seen people healed of diseases and I've seen people with those same diseases who are not healed discover the joy of the Lord even in the midst of dying and I've been with many people who've died. As a fellow traveler I want to tell you that the next leg of the journey for you is better than the last one. Someday you can be singing this song of wonder and praise uh, this joyful song that Mary was singing that can be your song I know it may not feel like it right now it may not look like it right now but I promise you that's the song God has for you when he interrupts your life it's more important for us to watch what he's doing through us than what he's doing to us most of us get caught up in why is this happening to me instead of God what purpose are you achieving through my life will you begin today just a little bit of trust that you've got to sing a new song even if you have to sing it quietly even if it's in a shaky voice even if you're not a hundred percent sure of what you're singing step into that place and sing a song of trust Would you stand with me and let's make that real and I think the only way we can do that is to come to a place of affirmation right now and I don't know what your situation is but let's pray over it if you need to trust the Lord for anything I'm gonna ask you could just do that right where you are but let's begin it with a prayer and just verbally tell the Lord God May it be to me as you wish. Whatever you want to do next, I embrace that. If you want somebody to pray with, if you would come down and kneel at these steps, we have counselors and pastors and other Christians here who love you, and we would be delighted. You can pray by yourself up here. We won't bother you. Uh, But if you want to pray with someone, we'll do that with you. If you have a decision uh, that needs to be made or a question, if you want to come and talk to one of us we're here for you and that's how we'll close out this time of worship father we give you this moment and some of us are scared uh some of us are just like mary we're a little anxious about where we are in our life and what's going on some of us have maybe just come out of that some of us without knowing it, at this moment will go through that this week bring us to a place of acceptance but don't let us stay there let us move beyond take that next step of trust until we are in a place of adoration. We trust you. And we give you this time for your glory.